You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spate. Thank you so much for being here today. It is a joy to see you. We appreciate you choosing to come and spend part of your busy day here with us. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, We live in a divided world. We are part of a divided country. In fact, just prior to the last election, the Pew Resource Research Center uh, interviewed some people, and they determined that 89% of Trump supporters believed that if Biden were elected, it would lead to lasting harm in the United States. And 90% of Biden supporters believed that if Trump were elected, it would lead to lasting harm in the United States. Now what that means is that half of us are very unhappy today. (laughs) We, We are divided. But division has been a part of the history of the United States from the day it was born. Do you realize that just looking at the issue of slavery and states' rights. When the U.S. was formed, the writers of the Constitution, many of them wanted to abolish slavery in the Constitution of the United States. Most of those were from the North. Representatives from the South said that will destroy our economy. We won't be able to exist. And so they decided to ignore the issue for years, decades, almost an entire century. Many of the northern states, though, because states' rights were important, chose to abolish slavery in their states. Many of the southern states allowed slavery as part of their state constitution. Now, the Senate was split about roughly half and half. Half from the North, half from the South. They were roughly divided equally as far as who supported slavery and who was opposed to slavery. In fact, there were three separate formal compromises between 1820 and 1854. It started with the Missouri Compromise, They didn't want to let Missouri in as a slavery state without also letting in a state from the north that was opposed to slavery. That was to keep equal the number of states that supported and were opposed. Three separate compromised, maintain that equality. But by 1853, there were some politicians who were convinced 
that no, we need to oppose slavery. So they withdrew from their political parties, primarily the Whig Party, and they formed a new political party, the Republican Party, and yes, it is the same Republican Party that exists today. It was formed in 1853 on the platform of anti-slavery and a strong federal government that could overrule states' rights. How things change. By 1860, these two issues, slavery and states' rights, divided the country. The Republican Party ran as the party opposing slavery. Abraham Lincoln was nominated to run for president. But the opposing party, the Democratic Party, strong in the South, couldn't come to agreements. So it actually split into three. The Southern Democratic Party not only supported slavery, they wanted to pass federal laws that would outlaw the anti-slavery laws in some states in the North. The Northern Democratic Party just wanted things like they were, just continue. But there was another section of the former Democratic Party that withdrew and formed the Constitutional Union Party. They were Democrats who opposed slavery. Well, Abraham Lincoln won in a landslide. You can see he had 800 180 electoral votes. Uh, the sum of the other three, even had they been united, would not have been able to defeat Lincoln. And as a result, 11 southern states seceded from the union between the election and Lincoln's inauguration. So in a matter of months, they seceded. And when Lincoln took office, he had a divided country. A country that he said included both North and South, but the Southern states were saying they were part of a different country now. You know, the Civil War broke out. The question is, what would Lincoln do in, in the face of such division? He chose to combat the division that there was in a very unique way. He selected a cabinet that were not yes men. In fact, he selected people to his cabinet who were actually his own political rivals. So much so that his cabinet came to be known as a team of rivals. There was a recent book that took that name. It was the title of the book. And it's all about Lincoln's cabinet and what they did during and after the Civil War. William Seward was Lincoln's primary opponent in the Republican Party for the nomination to the presidency. Salmon Chase was also one of Lincoln's rivals in 1860, but he was the primary rival to Lincoln in 1864 for Lincoln's re-election. 
Edward Bates was another minor character in the nomination process, but he was opposed to Lincoln. Edwin Stanton was a Democrat. He wasn't even a Republican, a member of Lincoln's own party. Montgomery Blair was a Southern Democrat, although his personal beliefs opposed slavery. Gideon Wells was a Northern Democrat. In fact, the only man on Lincoln's cabinet who could be said was a friend of Lincoln is Caleb Smith from Indiana, who was one of Lincoln's close friends and advisors. This team of rivals was brought together with different viewpoints. They were not like each other. They were distinct from each other. They had different viewpoints. And Lincoln brought them together, convinced that if he was to bring together a divided country, it had to start in his own cabinet. So he couldn't just pick people who thought like himself. He intentionally went out and found others who had different viewpoints. And as a result, we are today the United States because that cabinet saw the country through the war and after the war helped bring healing to the rift between North and South. Well, Paul also dealt with division and discrimination in the early church. The way Paul dealt with it, he didn't have a cabinet to elect, but he taught. And he taught using a particular image. He taught using the image of a body. Now he was speaking to the Corinthian church. The church at Corinth, Corinth uh, was a Roman city located in what today we call Greece. The church started in the Jewish synagogue. Paul began his ministry there, and many Jews came to the Lord. But then he began talking to the Gentiles, and they began to come to the Lord. So suddenly, there were Jew and Gentile together in the local church. Now, just kind of as an aside, good Jews were taught a particular prayer of thanksgiving that they were to pray frequently. And that included, thank you, Lord, for making me a Jew. Thank you that you did not make me a Gentile. And now they were together, worshiping the same Jesus, being brought together even though they were very different. So how in the world would Paul help them to learn to relate to each other? He used the image of a body to explain it. Here's what he said. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same 
spirit. As Paul explained it, the body is made up of parts that have very different functions. Now we have medical doctors here with us. And medical doctors know that parts of the body serve very particular functions. If you have a failing kidney, you cannot cut off an ear and graft it in where the kidney was. It won't work. They perform different functions. That's what Paul is saying. The body has parts with many different functions, but it all makes one body. They all work together. So he goes on. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. The foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. That doesn't make it any less a part of the body. If the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? What Paul begins by saying is that no one part of the body can look at itself and say, I am inferior to this other part of the body. I'm not like them, and they're so much better than I am, so I'm almost not even a part. Paul says, no, 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 no. Different parts have different functions, and we need all of the functions of the body. Now, when I came to the Lord, I was led to the Lord by a man who was just an incredible evangelist. His name was Stanley Tam, and he led hundreds, even thousands of people to the Lord. He began to lead people to the Lord, and he began to pray, Lord, let me bring one person to the Lord every day in a year, and he did. So the next year he said, well, Lord, since you answered that prayer, let me bring two people to you every day. And he did. And then he said, three people. And he did. And he led me to the Lord. And I thought, well, that must be what it means to be a Christian. So I tried to be like Stanley Tam. And I would go out and I would talk to people about coming to the Lord. And they would walk away. I did not have the success Stanley Tam had. In fact, it wasn't one a day, it wasn't one a week or one a month. I was good if I could bring one people to the Lord, one people, one person to the Lord every year. And I began to think, I'm not doing it right. I, I need to be a better Christian because look what Stanley does until finally I discovered that that was not my function. God wired Stanley in a very particular way that allows him to be able to speak to people and they open up and he leads them to Jesus. And that's great and we need Stanley Tams in the church. But that wasn't who I was. I was a teacher. I could understand scripture and, and present it in a way that people would understand. In fact, Stanley Tam 
himself came up to me and said, oh, that was a great teaching. I could never do that. I thought, oh. (laughs) You see, we're each wired in a different way. God has given us different functions, but that is all a part of the body. We cannot look at ourselves and say, I'm inferior because I'm not like fill in the blank. No. God has made us just like we are so that we can do the things that he has given us to do. That's what we got to do. We've got to find how God has made us and do the things that he's given us to do. Paul goes on. Now, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if they only had one part. Yeah, there are many parts. But there's one body. We do not have the right to look at other people and say to be a real Christian, you have to become like me. I'm an eye, and you got to be an eye. Paul says that'd be a funny-looking body, just one huge eyeball. (laughs) You know, uh, the last three years that we were in Columbia, I was pastoring a church, and uh, we had a couple that came to the Lord, Jorge and Miriam. Um, Miriam became coming to the church, and uh, she was just from Colombian society, a young couple, kind of socialites, and Miriam came dressed in her best clothes, which were mini skirts, and she would make herself up like she made herself up when she would go out to the clubs. A lot of, of makeup. Some of the ladies in the church came to me and said, Randy, you got to talk to her. She shouldn't be dressing like that. She should dress like us. I said, well, why don't we pray about that for about a month? And we'll see what happens. You know, within a month, the skirts started lengthening. And the amount of makeup, she still put makeup on, but it, 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 was, it was reduced. So I went to Miriam at the end of the month, and I said, hey, I, I noticed that you are dressing a little bit differently than you used to. What's up? She said, well, I just wasn't comfortable. Nobody had to say anything to her. We didn't have to go to her and say, you've got to look like us. Instead, we let Jesus talk to her, and he talked to her about modesty. we don't have the right to look at someone else and say they're so much better than I am. We also don't have to have the right to look at someone else and say, you got to be like me. Inferiority, uniformity, they don't fit in the church. Then Paul goes on, he said, The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand can say to the feet, I don't need you. We don't have the right to look at someone else and say they're so much better than I am. 
We don't have the right to look at someone else and say, you got to be like me. And we don't have the right to look at someone else and say, I'm so much better than you are. <laughs> Inferiority, uniformity, and superiority. Paul speaks out against these three things. And he says, they don't fit in the church. Get rid of them. Stop thinking that way. Be one instead. Paul goes on. He says, God has put the body together. And this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. There's the key to what Paul is saying. We come together. Underline boldface capital letters. It's when we're together that we become Christ's body. And we each have a function to play in that body. When we live together in unity, we become an effective part of Christ's body. And we can welcome others into that body. So what are some of the things that might divide us? Well, just a few of those things, things like gender or religion. I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist. Social status, race can divide us. The color of our skin can divide us. Our affluence can divide us. Are we one of the haves or one of the have-nots? Our nationality can divide us. Are we American or are we Congolese? Our vaccinations over the last year can divide us. Are we vaccinators or, no, are, uh, what, what's the right term? Anti-vaxxers or have we had the vaccination? School districts can divide us. I go to Center Grove. Well, I go to Greenwood. My children went to Whiteland, which invaded the Greenwood, uh, invaded Center Grove and painted the halls blue and white instead of red. So uh, school districts can really control us. Politics can separate us. And this list is not exhaustive. There are many other things that we choose to allow to divide us. So what does this mean for us today? What it means is that if we want to live like Jesus in a world gone crazy, I must be united to the body. I want to live like Jesus in a world going crazy. United to the body. Now, unity is a lot more than just saying, hi, how are you on Sunday morning? 
that's great. But how do we achieve unity? It is not just achieved by coming here on Sunday mornings. No, we want you to come. Please come. But this isn't where unity really takes place. Unity can take place in a small group. Find a small group. Become a part of a small group, either a hope group or, a, or an adult Bible study or, or uh, a prayer group that you can belong to or a ministry group. You come together and you spend time together. You really have a chance to be with other people who are different from you and learn what brings you together. Find a discipleship partner. It's more than a buddy. Someone who will spend time praying for you. Someone that you can talk to. Someone you can go to and say, I'm going through a tough time. Here's what's happening. And they'll understand and they won't judge you. They'll say, I'll pray for you. Let's get together next week. Let me find out how things are going. Make a new friend. But make a friend with someone who is different from you. You know, it's easy to make friends with people who are like us. That's what we tend to do. We look for people who are very much like us and they become our friends. Unity means finding someone who is not like you and befriending them so you can gain a new perspective, so you can learn something new. There are a number of different ways in which you can come together and celebrate unity. One of those ways is what Jesus did with his disciples. He brought his disciples together and they were from all walks of life. You had Peter who was a fisherman and who paid taxes. You had Matthew who was a tax collector that worked by the Sea of Galilee. Who do you think Peter paid his taxes to? Somehow I think when Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, like Chrissy said, he put Peter and Matthew together. <laughs> the guy that used to take Peter's taxes was now walking with him down the road. And they were talking about Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about celebrating the Lord's Supper. It's one of the ways that we celebrate our unity. He says this, in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. It sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. To some extent, I believe it, but of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. Then Paul goes on and he says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. That on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. 
And he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Let's eat together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Lord Jesus, this morning we celebrate our unity in you. Let that celebration be a reality in our own lives. Make us one. Help us to find ways to become one. We ask this in your name. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.